got your Bibles this morning, let's open them up to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> We're going to begin reading in verse 21. The title of this morning's message is Unmoved. Unmoved. Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, the Bible says, Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Talking about Paul the Apostle here preaching. Verse 22, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide with me. Verse 24, But none of these things shall move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says here that his mind was set. His mind was made up. He knew his calling. He knew his commission from his commander. Uh, Our captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ, had given uh, Paul a commission and he knew what it was. Now Paul, uh, he knew that there was a good chance that along the way and the calling that he'd had that he was going to face some troubles. That there was going to be some heartache and some pain that he was going to go through. But he was determined to go on and to go through it. As we study the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, um, his, his story is inspiring to me, to say the least. Uh, he gave his life to Christ, who gave his life for Paul. And the calling that Paul, and the calling that, that Christ gave to Paul was in the capacity of serving the church. And as we see Paul's life and his ministry, he spent 30 years, 30 years of his life uh, serving, serving Christ by serving the church. Paul went on three missionary journeys and the letters that we have to, to the churches at Ephesus and Corinth and Colossae and the and uh, Galatia and all these things are churches that Paul and others went and planted these churches in, in Asia Minor and in Europe, uh, beginning to get the church started. The thing that I believe I, I find that's most remarkable about this is Paul's courage. Paul's courage. He did this facing blindness. Sometimes we seem like we have a lot of excuses why we can't do the things that we do, but Paul, he, he went past those things and, and he served the Lord with all his might through the power of the Holy Spirit. As we talk about Paul starting these churches and Paul the missionary, 
uh, we think that maybe his life sounds glorious. But in reality, these 30 years were not quite as glamorous as we may think. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that everywhere, everywhere that Paul went, the Holy Spirit led Paul, there would be an open door. And there would be progress for Christ. But everywhere that Paul went, there was trouble. <laughs> there was persecution. He was met with opportunity. He was met with, a, with, a, with an open door. But he was also met with persecution and trouble. Everywhere he went. Uh, you, you all are familiar with the verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, where Paul writes to the church at Corinth about some of the things that he'd suffered for in the name of Christ. He said in there that five times he'd been beaten with whips. 39 times each time. Five times. He said three times he'd been beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. On three separate occasions, Paul was shipwrecked. And one of those times that he was shipwrecked, he spent a whole day and a whole night in the deep, in the water. Paul says that throughout that time of serving the Lord in those 30 years, he'd been robbed. Paul said that throughout that time, he went hungry. Paul said throughout that time, there was times where he was in, that he didn't have the clothes, the proper clothes, and he went cold. And he talked about all the times that he'd been imprisoned for the name of Christ. All these things, all these things he faced on top of the affliction that he had in his body with his blindness. This is Paul the Apostle. And you know what? He did it with joy, as we read there in chapter 20, verse 24. Paul had his share of problems, there's no doubt about that. But Paul said, none of these things shall move me. You're opened up there to Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. Paul says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind. Isn't that good? Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. You know what Paul said? I, throughout my ministry, throughout this uh, walk with the Lord, uh, I've had some tears. We've all experienced those tears, haven't we? Those heartache. That's heartache. That's pain of heart. You know, serving the Lord with humility, I find that when we're heartbroken, when we uh, have a broken heart, it's a little harder to be proud, isn't it? Uh, sometimes the tears that come along in our life, uh, they, they, they hurt. They, they, uh, we don't want them. We don't ask for it. But along the way, somehow, somehow that prepares us and, and betters us for what the Lord has for us. Would you agree with that? That that brings humility of mind. If we never went through that heartache and pain, boy, it'd be easy, wouldn't it, to be puffed up and proud. The temptations that Paul went through, the temptations that Paul went through, you know what it showed Paul? It showed Paul that he was human. Do you know how I know that all of us go through temptation and face temptation? It's because we're human. It's because we're human. It's part of that. It's part of the bodies that we live in that are not yet 
completely uh, sanctified and completely uh, glorified and completely uh, uh, glor- glorified bodies, but yet it's also the world that we live in. And some may say that the world's getting worse and that, that could be an argument, but I guarantee you one thing, that no matter when you lived in this earth, you always faced temptation. There was always temptation in the past and in the present, and there will be into the future until Christ comes and He reigns. But just because we're a believer, just because we're a Christian, hey, just because we're a follower of Christ does not mean we're exempt from tears. Shortest verse in the Bible would be an easy one for us all to memorize. And John 11.35 simply says this. Jesus wept. Isn't it amazing that we have a Savior? Isn't it amazing that we have a King? Isn't it amazing that we serve a God that knows what it means to have tears? He knows what it means to have the sorrow and a broken heart. Jesus wept. In Isaiah 53 and verse 3 the Bible prophesying about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isaiah says this, He is despised and rejected of men. Listen to this. A man of sorrows, just as we sang the song this morning, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from Him. And He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Our Savior, a man of sorrows. You know, when we think about the sorrow that Christ went through, especially on the cross of Calvary and in His life, doesn't that just make you love Him that much more when you know that He did it for you? When you know that the temptations that He faced, that He made Himself human, that He made Himself man, that God, the Creator of man, made Himself susceptible to the temptations that we have? You're all familiar with this verse in Philippians chapter 2, but it says in verse 5, let this mind be in you. You know what it means to be a Christian? You know what it means to be a Christ follower? You know what it means to be Christ-like? It's slowly but surely having our mind transformed to the image of Christ. It's that transformation of sanctification. It's that our mind being moved toward the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? What is the mind of Christ in this situation, in this scenario, in my life? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, Jesus Christ was God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself. He made Himself of no reputation. Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? Seems like we spend our lives building our reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant. All of us would work hard to work ourselves out of that position, wouldn't we? But He made Himself a servant. Being form of a servant and made in the likeness of man, God became man. I don't know that we could have a comparison that we would understand God, the infinite, all-powerful God being put in the, just being confined by the flesh. Confined by our temptations, confined, confined by our, our, our pain. And he understood it. And he lived through it. And being found in the fashion of a man, the Bible says, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wow. His sorrow, his tears, his temptation, all those things that we face. If we allow it, you know what it will help us to do? It will help us be humble and help us have that mind of Christ. 
It will. It really will if we allow it to. You know, sometimes it's trouble. I believe that all of us have a chain. Uh, uh, you know, we live in this earth. We live in these bodies. We're all going to face some trouble. And we're all going to face some trial. We're all going to face some heartache. We're all going to face some hurt. But I do believe that the choice that we make of following Christ will determine whether those things make us bitter and harder or that it will make us sweeter and softer toward others, more compassionate, more kind. I do believe that. I believe that we can get mean and get ugly because of the things we've been through or we can have actual compassion toward others and feel their pain. When we say, I feel your pain, we really mean we feel your pain. That compassion that Christ has. Jesus, He went through all the temptations that we have. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says that we have a God, that we have a Savior who was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. We, we know the story in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus Christ, in a, in, in, after uh, being fasted in a point of weakness, He was tempted by the devil Himself. And we know that He used the Scripture. He used the Scripture to combat these, these temptations. The body that we live in, the world that we live in, boy, we're going to face these tears. We're going to face these troubles. And, and sometimes, if, you're, if you'll look around, sometimes the heartache and the sorrow and the temptations, these are things that move us. Would you not agree that sometimes the stuff that we go through, they move us from the very, the very place that is is our refuge. You know, Christ, the, the things of this world sometimes can move us away from Christ, and, and that's really our fellowship and our joy. You say, what did Paul say he didn't want to be moved away from? What, what in my life do I not want to be moved away from? You do not want to be moved away from your relationship and your fellowship with Christ. Because without it, that's where our source of joy is. That's where our source of peace is. That's where our source of, of, of power is. And our purpose and our call and all those things come through Him. But this, these, these things in life, if we're not careful, they will move us and they can move us. But boy, if we have that mindset to say, I won't be moved. Hey, wouldn't it be easier to handle if we already know? Not trying to be a bummer here. Not trying to be a downer. But if we already say, hey, throughout life, there are going to be some tears. And there's going to be some temptation. And I'm, I'm going to be susceptible to some of these temptations. But I'm not going to let it move me. I'm not going to let it move me away from my relationship with Christ. Look at verse 23 of chapter 20. You're there in Acts. 23. He says... He didn't know what all he was going to be in for as he went on this next uh, journey that the Lord had him on, but he did know one thing. Verse 23, Save the Holy Spirit, witnesses in every city, saying, Bonds and afflictions abide with me. <laughs> you know what Paul said? I know what's, in some, some ways, I know what's coming. I already know that there's going to be some trouble. Paul knew a few things about bonds. And these aren't the kind of bonds that you buy. <laughs> these are not the kind of bonds that you want. He knew a little bit about affliction, right? He knew some things about being afflicted. Sometimes we, as humans, just were susceptible to affliction. Affliction of mind, right? Affliction of body. Some of these things we didn't bring on ourselves. 
Some of these things that we face and when it comes to afflictions, they're not our fault. Things that we really cannot help. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) Have you ever gotten down? I mean, you just kind of get kind of gray where it feels like you're stuck in a rut. I mean, I'm being serious. Depression, oppression, discouraged. And you don't even make, maybe sometimes you don't even have a good reason for it. You just feel that way. You know what? That, that's, that happens to us. Why? Because we're human. They call it melancholy. It's a gloomy state of mind. It is a depression of spirit. You know, because we're believers, because we're followers in Christ... I believe that we feel His Spirit. And I believe that sometimes we feel the joy of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and those mountaintop experiences. But just because we're a believer, that doesn't mean that we're not going to face some of the low valleys. And I believe sometimes, unfortunately, some of the mountaintops experiences are paid for with dark valleys. It's a reality. For me to act like that we never go through things, for me to act like that there's not a, just a physical thing that happens, a, you know, in our body, a chemical reaction or something like that that just can happen. Hey, it's all part of being human. It's all part of our temptation. It's all part of our makeup. And it's all part of the fall. It's all part of the curse. Really. And it might be just a reality for you today. You know, Paul the Apostle himself had great insight, great revelation. He had great responsibility with uh, bringing in the new dispensation, the church age, the age of grace. But you know, Paul himself was afflicted with a thorn in the flesh. You might take your Bibles and turn to these verses, good verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul the Apostle, who brought so much joy so much hope to so many people, even healed so many people from their diseases and from their problems, yet he had an affliction in his flesh that he never got rid of. He had affliction with himself that he never was able to get, get over. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, Paul says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation... There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of who? Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. I want us to take note there that the thorn in the flesh, the problem that Paul had, uh, was brought on by evil, was brought on by bad. But it stayed, and it didn't go away. Verse 8 of chapter 12, For these things I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. You know what Paul said? Hey, I asked the Lord to deliver me from this bodily affliction. I asked the Lord to take it from me. I asked the Lord to heal me of it. And you know, by the way, let me just say this. The Lord can heal anybody of anything. You believe that. Right. I mean, the Lord can do whatever He wants. The Lord has power over disease. And the Lord has power over death. And the Lord has power over anything. You believe that? I do. But the Lord also has a plan, and He always does what's best for us. Do you believe that? He always does what's best for us. Paul had to trust that. Paul had to believe that when he asked the Lord to deliver him, and he, and he didn't. He delivered him from what he was going through. Verse 9, 
This is the Lord's reply to Paul's request for deliverance. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. I think this is some pretty powerful insight for all of us to go, you know, what the Lord, what we have to go through sometimes is for our own good. It may be for our own humility. And it may be that the Lord just says, hey, I have enough grace for you and I'm doing this just for your own benefit so that you continue to need me and continue to trust me for your own benefit. Hey, are we not better off when we're trusting the Lord? Are we not better off when we're needing the Lord? Boy, we can make some big messes when we get in the mindset that we don't need Him anymore. That's it's so arrogant, isn't it? When He's the one that gives us the breath that we breathe. Wow. He said, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength. Whose strength? His strength. My strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Sometimes, I'll tell you, sometimes the... The, the, the more that the Lord calls us to do and more responsibility the Lord puts on us, sometimes the more weak we get in, in our flesh. Sometimes the more dependent we're going to have to become on Christ. And the more obvious it is to us in our own mind that we cannot do it ourselves. That we cannot handle it ourselves. That we're going to have to put more trust and more reliance on Him. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, when we understand how weak we are, the more we'll put our faith and trust in Him and the more His strength can be evident through us. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, now Paul's, most gladly therefore, wow Paul, most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. You think Paul bad mouth or went poor mouth in his uh, his infirmities that he he uses as an excuse not to serve the Lord? Paul looked at his infirmities and as an excuse to serve the Lord. He said, "I glory in my infirmities. I asked the Lord to deliver me from this, but He wouldn't, so I glory in it." He said, "I glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me." You know the power of God cannot rest upon us in our pride. He can't trust us when our but when we're weak and we're dependent on Him, the Lord can empower us for His purpose and for His ministry. Do you believe that? Verse ten. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity, reproaches, and necessities. That's being in need, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, when I am weak physically, then I am strong spiritually. You may be here and you may be going through some, uh, some tears and some temptation and some affliction. And you may feel weak. My, my word to you is don't be guilty. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel bad. It's, it's part of being human, but it could be something that you can glory in. It may be something that God's al- allowing to happen for your own benefit and for the benefit of others. You may be here this morning and physically you feel weak. And I say that that might be a good thing. That might be a good thing for your spiritual strength. That might be a good thing for you being able to rely on God and to put your trust in Him. 
the flip of that, the opposite of that is also true. That if you're here this morning and you feel like you can handle it in your own strength and you feel like you can live the Christian life in your own strength and you God blessed you with all the right talents and all the right abilities and all the right personalities and all the right things, look out. Look out. Because you're setting yourself up for a fall. His strength is made perfect sometimes in our weakness. The human mind is the most complex machine on earth. So take those problems that we have and those issues that we have to the great physician, the creator of our mind. And know this, that no matter what affliction, no matter what depression, no matter what trouble you're going through, this too shall pass. It will get better. Sometimes that's the, that's the hard part to remember is, hey, when you're in the, you know, the valley, when you're in the shadow of darkness, you think it's never, that's where we lose hope is you think it's never going to get better. The birds are never going to sing again. The sun's never going to shine again. We're never going to be able to enjoy the things of life that we once enjoyed again. But the truth of the matter is we will and we will. And when, when, we've, when we do, and after what we've been through and what we've gone through, you know those birds singing, they'll be that much better. The sun shining, we will appreciate it that much more. You know, without the affliction, without the trouble, without the darkness, you know, we wouldn't appreciate the light, would we? We wouldn't appreciate those things of life that bring us those joy. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 that he had learned in every state to be content. That he'd learned that. Now he wrote this at the end of his ministry. So I don't know where along the way Paul learned it, but this was at his 30 year mark that he said, I'd learned. I'd learned to be content in the Lord when I was up, when I was down. When things were bad, when things were good. I think sometimes we have trouble. I don't know, human nature is a strange thing. Sometimes when folks are doing really well, doing really well on the outside, physically, they walk away from Christ. Isn't that amazing? And they become discontented with Christ. But then the flip of that is true also. Some folks, when they're doing really bad, they think, well, the Lord's let me down. And those sort of times is when they walk away from Christ. You know what Paul said? I've learned in both places to be content. None of these things shall move. I had to learn that. You know, that doesn't come natural. For those of us with little kids, we understand that it does not come natural for children to be content, right? We have to teach them and train them. The same thing is true with us. We have to learn those things to be content. I think of the story of, of David and his life and some of the great ways that God used David but also some of the dark valleys that David went through as he was being hunted like an animal from the king, King Saul, for nothing. He hadn't done anything wrong. David hadn't done anything wrong to Saul. But yet he was, he was hiding and running uh, through the caves and through the woods and through the mountains, running from Saul. And we know the story there where while David was out there, the, the Lord sent him a, a little arm of men that were in debt, and that we're distressed, and that we're, you know, depressed, or whatever there. It says these folks all came to, came to David, and he put together this little army. And 
because of David's running from, from the king, uh, there came a point where he was going to go to battle with, uh, alongside the Philistines. And he left his family, wife and children, and all the men that were with them left their family and all their goods and all their stuff at their camp in a place called Ziklag. And when they came back from Ziklag, I mean, David's already going through it. Doesn't it seem like sometimes in our life when, when we're down, then it gets worse? Seems like we're, you get kicked while you're down, it's bad, and then it gets worse, something bad happens. And David's already got it bad, and he comes back. You know, it's, he finds his camp all burnt. Everything burnt up, all the stuff was burnt up, and all the people gone. All the wives and children were taken captive by the Amalekites. And in their discouragement and in their distress, all David's men, you know what they did? They were so uh, hurt and broken on this. They were conspiring together to kill David, to stone David. And so now David, he just lost his family. He just lost everything he had. And now his men are wanting to kill him as if it was his fault. And there's a verse in there in Samuel where the story is. And it says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And I don't know how, it doesn't say how David encouraged himself in the Lord his God, but I can, I can imagine that some of the great psalms that we have were written in times when David was in darkness, when David was in trouble, when David was distressed. I don't know if David just kind of got away from the, the group of guys there that wanted to kill him and He's wondering about his wife, and he's wondering about his children, and he's wondering about all the stuff, and wonder, and he just somehow mustered up enough prayer, enough psalms, enough songs, that he was able to find just enough, just enough joy to be able to tell his guys, to, hey, let's go pursue those Amalekites. Let's go pursue them. Let's go pursue them. Let's go out. Let's not just sit here in the ashes and just sulk in it, but yet let's get up and go on. That's the thing. To just get up and go on when you can't get up and go on. And they did. They pursued them. The Lord allowed them. The Bible says that they recovered all. They recovered all the stuff that had been stolen. They recovered all the people that had been taken prisoners. And you know why? Because there was just... Sometimes in, in, our, in, our, in our depression, in our sadness, in our sorrow, that we need to just make up our mind to say, I can't go on, but Lord, I'm going to try and find some encouragement in You. Try and find some encouragement in abiding in You through that prayer and that fellowship. You know what the enemy will try to make us do? He'll try and separate us from our fellowship with other believers that can encourage us. Try and separate us from... You know, sometimes we can go through things so hard that it's even hard to read the Bible, isn't it? Sometimes that we go through things in our lives uh, that it's even hard to pray. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Who, verse 4, comforteth us in all our tribulations that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You know, every now and again when we go through some things and 
we ask for the Lord's help. We ask for the Lord's deliverance. And He comes alongside of us and He either He provides us enough grace to get through it or He just delivers us from it. He can do either one. But He brings us that comfort. He brings us that peace that passes understanding. And you know what that does for us? That enables us to be able to have that empathy for others. To be able to comfort them with the same comfort that the Lord's comforted us with. To be able to come alongside and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Hey, it will end. One day this will end. One day the Lord will deliver us. And if you just draw close to Him and trust Him through it, boy, it will strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith in Christ. His grace, it's His grace that will keep us. I believe as Christians, it is the grace of God that saves us. For by grace He is saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the grace of God that saves us. But it's also the grace of God that keeps us as Christians and enables us to stay close to the Lord and brings that forgiveness. Paul said about himself in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul says this, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Have you ever felt that way? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul Paul the Apostle went from, from being the, the persecutor of the church to the preacher at the church. Paul went from being the, the, uh, the terrorist and hauling off folks to jail and even, and even uh, murdering those that believed in Christ to, to, to leading those to Christ and preaching the glorious gospel and suffering for it. You know what Paul said? It's by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which He hath bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He says, because of God's grace that He's given me, He's enabled me to serve Him, and He's enabled me to labor for Him. He says, but I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Paul says, because of His grace that He showed me, because of His forgiveness that He's given me, and because of the grace that He shows me, aren't you glad that the mercies of the Lord are new every day? I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, we just mess up. One days, uh, some days we just have bad days. Uh, uh, you guys, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that His mercy is anew every morning? That when the sun comes up, there's a whole new batch of His grace and mercy that allow us to stand up and brush ourselves off and find that forgiveness and find that joy and find that peace. And it's by the grace of God and trusting in His grace. And, and, and it seems like the more we're aware of the grace of God in, in, in our lives, it seems like the more that we're aware. See, God's grace is good to us no matter if we know it or not. But the more we're aware of His grace, the more grace we're able to offer to others. Doesn't it kind of rub us the wrong way when we see those that have been forgiven and those that have been uh, shown grace by the Lord, but yet they won't show grace to others. They're just not aware of how much grace we've been given. The more grace that we understand, the more grace we're all able to offer. And, the, and I believe that the more grace that we have, you know, the more grace that we have, the more pliable we are. And the more that the storms of life, and the more that thrown at us, and the more that beat against us, we're able to kind of just the grace allows us to bend in that and not break and not be moved. 
boy, it's just grace just makes us pliable. Grace makes us tender and soft. By His grace, by His grace, we'll see, the Lord will see us through the tears and the temptations and the afflictions. By His strength, by His strength, we will not be moved. In Ephesians chapter 6, you guys know these verses, but in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 and 11, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Finally, my brother, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what this is? It's trusting in the Lord's strength. It's trusting in His power. And when we really know how powerful and how strong He is, and that He has availed it to us through the Spirit, that it dwells us, I mean, being full of the Spirit, when we really believe that and trust that, and we're not, hey, I'd be, I'd be worried too if I thought that I was trusting in my own strength. But we don't have to trust in our own strength. We can trust in His strength and His might, and His power. And doesn't that give us some rest? Doesn't that bring some peace to our heart that, hey, He can handle this. He can see me through. He can provide that grace. Keep us going, trusting in His grace, trusting in His strength. As we close, this trusting in Him, trusting in His grace and His strength, you know what that is? That's that abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. Really, we don't have to fight. I don't believe that we really have to fight to not be moved. I believe that we just have to be intentional to fellowship with Him. To abide in Him. To dig those roots down deep into Christ. Getting in the Word and making sure that we're being sustained with the food and the bread of life. And that meat that He has for us. That fellowship with Him. That's what's going to keep us from being moved. You guys know these verses. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He, that man, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. You want to be fruitful Christian? You want to be a fruitful Christian? It's gonna, what's going to matter is where our roots are at. That's what's going to matter. It's, it's all that stuff from underneath that we can't see. It's not the superficial. The putting on our face and the putting on the Christian, that's not where the fruits come from. The fruits come from abiding in Christ and getting our roots deep down in Him. And He brings forth those fruits. He says, uh, his, uh, He'll bring forth His fruit in His season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever He doeth shall prosper. In other words, this person, this person that's planted by the river of water, the thing that they're doing, the things that they're uh, being fruitful in, Matthew, are eternal. So many times we can spend our lives on, on, on things that aren't. Would you agree with that? That aren't eternal. That aren't going to make a difference in eternity. 
Well, I'm thankful that the Lord's brought some opportunities our way with, with India and with, with uh, the Congo that we can just sow some seeds into the... I, look, I'm convinced that missions and sowing and investing in missions is eternal. It's an eternal work. When any time that someone's receiving, uh, putting out the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and folks are being saved, I say that's, that's an eternal work. And I believe as stewards of the Lord, uh, we should be looking for good fields to plant the seed. And hey, if, it, if it's not growing in one spot, look for a place where it's growing good. Being those prosperous, prosperous. Last verse as we close, Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17 Bible says in verse 7, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord... Uh, excuse me. And whose hope the Lord is. Hey, what's your hope? If, you're, if we're hoping in a financial system, if we're hoping in a stock market, if you're hoping in your job, if you're hoping in your house, if you're hoping in any of those things, you might get let down. But if your hope is in the Lord... I mean, you're like a tree planted by the river of water. You will not be let down. Blessed is those whose hope is the Lord. Verse 8, For he shall be as a tree planted by the water, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not, and shall not see when the heat cometh. Hey, the heat's going to come. The drought's going to come eventually. But you, it won't face you if your roots are down by the water. But her leaves shall, shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Hey, Wellspring, it's our name. Wellspring, the water of life, springing out. We don't want to go dry. We don't want to ever go dry, right? We want to always have fruit, right? You know, what's, you know how we're going to have to keep the water flowing? By going deep. Deep well, a deep well in Christ. Spiritually, in each of our hearts, seeking Him out. And He'll see us through the highs and the lows. All the ups and downs that are thrown at us because we're human. The Lord can see us through if those roots are deep down in Christ.